This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Now on Joy 94.9, this is The Glow Show with your host, Victoria Police LGBTI Liaison Officer, Gabrielle Tyak, Joy's own Will Lanting, with a range of Victoria Police staff and Joy volunteers coming together to inform and support our diverse LGBTI communities. Here is The Glow Show on Joy. And yes, you are on the Glow Show, Joy 94.9. I'm Will, and as always, on this lovely, now getting dark, Monday evening. No, it's great. How are you, Gabby? Good. I love the chilly weather. I hate it. Love, love. No, no, hate, 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 hate. I want summer to come back. It's so different like that. I know. How do we even do this? <laughs> well, at least you get it one way for half the year and I get it True. my way for the other half True. of the year. I tell you what, if it wasn't such a crazy place, I could easily move to the Middle East, but uh, I don't think they like people like me that much. Uh, some places don't. No. We know this is a, a new thing with some some laws. We no, won't go into that. We won't go into that, And but uh, what we will go into is the lovely laws and lovely police that we have in this country, the Who Love Us and support us, which is a wonderful thing. Well, hmm? funny you should say that, Will. Well, really again? <laughs> well, normally we have, um, when we have someone from Crime Command, we have Assistant Commissioner Tess Walsh. Yep. But this time we don't have Tess, we actually have Commander Mick Fruin. Mick, welcome to the uh, Glow Show. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Gabby. We wanted to have Great a different voice, didn't we? <laughs> a little bit of a different voice this time, but yeah, look, Tess has been wonderful. So, She'll be yeah. back. She'll be back, no I'll, worry. I'll try I? and emulate the high standard. <laughs> and for the record, I like the heat and the Middle East. Oh, yeah, look, <laughs> Middle East is fascinating, isn't it? It's, it's a great spot. Rich of history and, um, yeah, if it just wasn't such a lunatic asylum. We, I've had friends call it the biggest outdoor lunatic asylum on the planet. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I won't go there, but what I can say... There's little pieces of gold everywhere in the Middle East. I've travelled extensively there, and yeah. it's a great spot no matter where you go. No, that's true. Good people, engaging people. There's great food there. Oh, outstanding. A lot of people don't realise, and we're probably getting off the track of being a police show. We're becoming a travel show now. But <laughs> yeah, happy to that. do that too. Yeah. yeah, but old Dubai. People don't think about old Dubai. So you've got the new, new mm. part, but the old section, and they have fantastic cuisine, and it's cheap as anything, and it's really a sensational place to visit. So have you found yourself there? Not Dubai, but I was just thinking about the Middle East as you guys started talking and um, I thought of Syria. You know, it's a war-torn country at the moment. You know, the people are oppressed. There's a lot of death and violence there. But I think when I was there in 1994, what a great spot it was. Great people, relaxed atmosphere, great sights to see. Mm. But unfortunately, a lot of it's been destroyed now and the area is in conflict and um, it's difficult to see where it'll end up. Yeah, no, very true. Now, Mick, one question I always love to ask police when they first come on the Glow Show, why did you become a police officer? Well, um, I remember having a girlfriend at the time and she joined. And at that time, I'd done a bit of the uni thing and I got a little bit bored. And then I joined the Australian Customs Service, which I found really good and had been in the Customs Service for about 18 months. And um she joined Vic Pohl and uh, I, we went our separate ways, but I bumped into her and she goes, you know what, I reckon you'd really like this. 
And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, long story short, I ended up joining and um, ironically uh, there was a guy I did my customs training with at the same time Mm -hmm. and we turn up for our fitness test at the academy and he's there and he looks at me and goes, what are you doing here? (laughs) I said, "Hmm, what are you doing here? Anyway, we both end up uh, getting in and um, she left and I stayed. There you go. Yeah, 33 years later. I was going to say, what year was this? That well, I actually joined it about 1987. Graduated on the uh, 22nd of March, I think 1998. And um, yeah, it's been interesting, diverse. I've never stayed anywhere longer than say two or three years. Yep. And I think that that's worked well for me. Um, so you left the academy, and where did you end up? Well, I left, and Coburg was my training station, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was an eye opener, you know, because I'd sort of. Uh, you know, gone to a private school, um, left school, did the uni thing, then did customs, which was probably a, a soft landing. <laughs> then from there, went to Sunshine, and that's when uh, it got bumpier. Like it was a completely different family violence, drugs, high levels of crime, and in you know eighty eight, eighty nine, things are a lot different mm. than when it is now. Yep. And then from there, I uh, went down to St Kilda CIB at the time as a detective senior Connie. And would that have been the nineties? Yep, yeah. it was 1992. Yeah. So, so uh, was St Kilda a different place in 1992 or from what, was, I uh, from what I remember? From what I remember. Yeah, well, yeah, it isn't as gentrified as it was, it is, is now, I should say. Yeah. Uh, a lot of diversity. You had a lot of, you know, the rooming houses, which, you know, presented challenges. You had street workers that were vulnerable, being assaulted. Um, you know, you had a whole lot of street level crime and then, it, for a strange reason, attracted a lot of serious crime as well. And then did a bit of work at uh, the crime department as it was at the time, then went to Brunswick CIB, then was promoted as a sergeant at Footscray, uh, ran a drug unit and a surveillance unit there for a while. And then I went to, um, at the time it was Ethical Standards Command yeah, as a detective sergeant. Uh, did about two years there, then went to Carlton CIB as a sergeant, then Melbourne CIB as a sergeant, Melbourne East, which is just down the road now, oh, actually opposite here. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's where I was promoted to the rank of senior sergeant, did a couple of years there, then went out to Craigieburn um, and ran the Craigieburn police station there for, well, not long actually, about six months, mm-hmm. then did a bit of upgrading to different roles as in acting inspector. And then was promoted as an inspector at Crime Command, and my first posting was actually the Carl Williams Murder Task Force. Wow. So I did that for about two and a half, three years, and then uh, did a uh, little brief stint at what we call um, tasking and coordination, more of the admin drug legislation administration, then ran the Middle Eastern Organised Crime Unit, which was Santiago Task Force. Um, then I got promoted to the rank of detective superintendent, and that was um, running the investigations division at Professional Standards Command. Mm-hmm. Did that for two years, and then um, went out to Northwest Metro Division Four and ran uh, that division, which encompasses uh, the local government areas of Hume, Moreland, and Mooney Valley. Really challenging from a you know a, a, a social demographic perspective, culturally diverse. Got a lot of. Um, issues with crime, uh, social dysfunction with a lot of the clientele, um, so a really challenging area to work. And then uh, from there was fortunate to uh, be promoted in December last year to the role of commander at Crime Command. 
Excellent. What a, what a distinguished career. I don't think we've ever had a guest in who's been able to tell us so many different things that they've done in the police force. It's been great. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and some of the suburbs that you mentioned, it's in because I'm a similar vintage to yourself. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned St Kilda and Craigieburn yep. and, and even Mooney Valley region. Mm. And it's how, how they've also evolved as communities over the last two decades. It's They've gone from chalk and cheese to, you know. Well, I often give the example of Footscray. When I was yeah. a sergeant there, it was known as, um, I'm just thinking what year I was there, nine, uh, around 1999, 2000. Yeah. I remember that because I remember working New Year's Eve when the Y2K bug was meant to come oh, through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was when uh, Chicken Little, the sky was going to fall. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember all that. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was a real uh, challenge from um, street-level crime and street-level drug dealing. I remember we did those street sweep operations and, you know, they were, you know, meat and potatoes sort of thing. And I thought to myself there, a house in Footscray was 60K. Wow. My wife goes, we should buy one. I go, no, 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 it's never going to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, I don't think you can get in under about eight or 900000 So I was exactly the same with Port Melbourne. People said, yeah. buy. I go, what the hell would I want to buy a place in Port Melbourne for? Yeah. You've got to be insane. Now look at it. It's yeah. incredible. It's amazing. Colloquially known as uh, at our house, another Mick and crash and burn. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mick, so in Crime Command, what are some of the current challenges that is facing our community at the moment? Well, um, so as you heard, I've done a couple of stints at Crime Command and most recently, when I got back in um, December last year, I probably had a little bit of a preconceived um, idea of, you know, what the big ticket items in my purview were, mm-hmm. and most importantly, what I'd seen as a divisional superintendent, you know, which is, you know, the touch feel street policing type of thing, and what it really affects the interface with the community. The eyeball popper to me, and everywhere I go, it's e crime, cyber crime, tech crime, and. I would say it is the greatest enabler and provides the greatest modality of offending across the entire spectrum of offending, whether you are talking um, low-level fraud right through to drug trafficking, drug possession, fraud, obviously, um, child exploitation, even burglary. I mean, in some way, shape or form, the world we live in now is all about high-tech, cybercrime, whether it's a CCTV camera on a corner right through to our capabilities as an organisation through greater DNA technology to quickly identify someone that's done a homicide. Yeah. I mean, with every great innovation often comes great vulnerability. Yeah. Um, to the community and, and to our people in the community. What comes with great innovation for the, from, from the good also comes great innovation from the bad as well. It's probably... There are often perverse outcomes and yeah. um, often when we break new ground, as in life, we don't know where we land. And it's often through... I mean, let's be frank, we can't underestimate how uh, intuitive and... Um, innovative some of our criminals are and government often commercial organizations police really every part of society has rules and boundaries that we've got to uh, work within um they don't 
Mm. They don't have business models. They don't have laws and legislation. So their ability to be nimble, adaptable, identify areas and vulnerabilities is, is first rate. And in many respects, government, policing, even the community struggle to keep pace because we've got, you know, parameters to work within. They are to protect the community, but equally um, it can sometimes slow us down with our ability to respond. Even, you know, the tech companies by way of the provision of um, data to government or law enforcement agencies, that takes time. Crooks don't worry about that. No. They're on to the next big thing. And the other problem too is I imagine they have boundaries too, which um, we have a lot of difficulties to be able to reach into as well. Um, you're listening to Commander Mick Fruin from Crime Mark Command, and uh, we are talking a little bit about cybercrime, and I really want to talk a lot more about this when we return. You're listening to The Glow Show on Joy 94.9. You're listening to The Glow Show on Joy. Back soon. Your community is our business. Joy 94.9. Welcome back. This is The Glow Show on Joy. And you're back on The Glow Show with Will and Gabby, and we're here talking to Commander Mick Fruin from Crime Command. Now, Mick, um, you, you've been in Crime Command a number of different times over your career. Yep. And we're talking about... Um, people's vulner- vulnerability to um, cybercrime. Yep. Is that one of the main changes and differences when that you've seen in the community in those times you've been in Crime Command? Most certainly. It's a real opportunity to exploit. I mean, mm. we do everything online now and that that's great, but accordingly, you know, all these other criminal entities and organisations see that as fertile ground. And, you know... I would probably say that there's there's two areas of vulnerability that are continually exploited, the elderly and the young. And obviously the young, you know, their naivety with online predatory behaviour um, and, you know, we can't overlook the elephant in the room and I have a particular interest in bullying and online bullying. I think mm. it's um, an insidious behaviour and, you know, the impacts of that are absolutely profound and often hidden behind closed doors and in people's hearts. And we just need to, you know, keep an eye on each other and have the discussion with your kids and those that you, you know, might care for or are dear to you. Um, You don't need to be a kid to be bullied. That's the other thing. And, you know, each and every day people walk along the street and you don't know what their narrative in life is. So Mm. look sideways, ask them how they're going because you don't know what they've seen. And with the elderly, I mean, probably from a cybercrime exploitation perspective, you know, they're, they're really fertile. Yeah. Spamming, emailing, reply to this. So often they don't know what they're replying to because, you know, it's all new to them and they might have been given a 101 by their friends, their kids, etc. If they're like me with IT, you forget <laughs> it, passwords particularly uh, are a point of vulnerability, reply to that, give us your bank details, always ring back the bank, Mm. have the discussion with the bank. And often the banks are really alert with um, transactions and and new trends. And if you ring the bank and say, oh, you know, Will or Gabby called me, oh yeah, what number did they call you from? They'll be able to reroute that and run their own analytics over it and say, that's a scam. 
and yeah. then they'll put out alerts. But those sort of things are really good. I think, you know, often um, elderly people are, are too proud to ask for assistance or, importantly, too proud to um, disclose something's happened to them, particularly yeah. with financial exploitation, um, you know, circumstances where they either meet people online or somehow are connected and a little trickle feed of money becomes more and more and more. Mm. And um, we all know people that have been scammed. So Mick, if if you receive a phone call from a bank or some other entity or an email from, from someone claiming they're a bank or another entity, don't respond to it. If, if, you, if you receive a phone call, certainly say, well, I'm going to call the bank exactly. um, and hang up and ring the bank from the number you have, not from a number they've given you. And similarly from an email, never respond to it. Always contact that person from information that you have from somewhere else, not from what they've given you to ensure that they're the real deal. Exactly. And often with um, older people, they've got a face-to-face relationship with their local branch. Yeah. And if we're caring or got our eye on older people, encourage them to either contact the people that they're comfortable and familiar with mm. rather than reply to a faceless email. It's interesting you mention this because uh, it's something I think everyone needs to talk about is that the you know not only the, the young kids who are vulnerable more from sexual predators, but the elderly are, are very vulnerable with financial transaction issues and they, they don't have, they're not streetwise online and I, I think that's a, a massive problem. And we've just had a recent incident in my family yep. where uh, some elderly members uh, were contacted by Telstra and they said they had a problem with their computer and they're sending someone out to deal with it. And I mean, I just, we're still getting the information of what's actually transpired, but the fact of allowing someone to come in and go and work on your computer, it's just to, to you and I, it sounds ab- abhorrent, but to an elderly person, it's like, well, that's a service they're providing and they're yeah. looking after us. Yeah. And so they're victims of crime at the moment, which is currently getting investigated. And it's a very sad situation that they're in. So, And, and, and it, you don't even need to be here. I can relate a personal story. I yeah. traveled a couple of years ago through Europe for three months and was using Wi-Fi. And um, my whole uh, email system had been hacked into and um, fortunately it wasn't the subject of fraud, but um, I rang, I rang um, my provider back here in Australia and they, you know, suggested I get this specific firmware or software as an extra firewall. I bought it. Um, it didn't work. They bypassed it and continued to compromise it. We had someone house sitting at our place. I lost internet at home, landline at home, mm. and it was just a nightmare. Fast forward a week after that, we get home, which was like two months later, I get a call from the scammers on my work phone, and somehow they were able to cross-pollinate the data from my provider. And then they start saying, well, um, you need to pay us. And of course, you know, I didn't entertain it. But they had the audacity to ring back two and three times abusing me. So, you know, there are no boundaries, and that's the thing. Yeah, that, that, that's with, a real highlight, isn't it? With, wow. with, with online um, and, and e-crime and tech cybercrime-enabled offending, there are no boundaries. Mm. Whether you are in Glen Waverley or Guatemala, it doesn't matter. Without getting into the, obviously, the tactics and tricks that the police mm. Use to protect us. This is uh, obviously a big problem that's affecting our community. Huge. What is the police doing now to to address these issues? 
Oh, many and varied. Um, I could talk for an hour just on that. Yep. And um, the investment from um, a fiscal perspective at all levels of government, Commonwealth government have just uh, provided a grant for, you know, um, I guess a continual upgrade of our software and computer systems to keep pace. And that itself is a significant investment. We've got we've got our e-crime um, squad. We've got our online child exploitation team. Is that feed on the ground stuff? Oh, absolutely. Yep. And, and let me tell you that um, from my perspective, I met with them yesterday and actually had a barbecue with them. Mm, I'd like to actually meet one of them very shortly and personally, but that's another novel. Yep. Yeah, it's just – it's really, really sad how how prolific that type of offending is and, and you know, it rips your heart out yeah. because it's everywhere. Um, with your story that you were talk, talking about going overseas and using the free Wi-Fi and that's how they got into your system, mm. what's the advice on when you are using free Wi-Fi? Is there any way to prevent that happening? Um, I think – I stand to be corrected, but I think virtual private network, VPN numbers that – people use now are probably the gold standard and uh, that offers some degree of protection and anonymity from scamming type behaviour. I know that that's what I would be doing um, when I travel soon. So um, that would be my first and foremost. Obviously, you know, being really, I guess, savvy before leaving about what protections each of your communications providers are able to give you so for example if you're at Telstra you know you'd have a really you know detailed discussion in person with what they can offer Um, because obviously there's firewalls and systems that really go well to protect you rather than you know flying blind on your phone at a hot spot Mm. you know in um, La Rambla and Barcelona which I'd dearly love to be at now. You know, the old adage, you, you get what you pay for. And I, I imagine with the computer security, you know, you're more credible, expensive uh, online protection is, is, is going to be, um, you know, pertinent. But what people don't realise is that, like, if you and I were talking about travelling to the Middle East, when you go to these places, you take various precautions. But with cybercrime, it is no matter where you are on the globe, you can be a victim. You are reachable. That's something that people don't Interesting remember. analogy you bring up there. So when we go to those places or, or places where there could be a travel alert, the encouragement is look sideways. Don't be um, compromised by um, whether it's criminal behaviour, robbery. Look down. Look down at your phone. Think about where you are. Who's looking over your shoulder? Those little bits and pieces on, you know, you might be on a far, on a bus or on a train or on a plane or at the airport. People are always looking. There are people that go to airports not only to steal your luggage but to steal identity. And, you know, whilst there's been great advances in biometric recognition um, that our barrier areas like the airport are using Australia-wide, what... You, you don't enjoy that level of security in other places. And accordingly, there are vulnerabilities in those other places. And you just need to be really mindful and aware of, you know, how your device is ex- displayed when, you, when you're sitting there surfing, um, whether you're on an iPad or an internet cafe or, or on a laptop getting a hotspot. Mm. Look around. Make sure that not only you, that you're physically safe, that you... Um, I guess are electronically safe. One of the important messages that we give on the Glow Show is that we, Gabby and I, we work together as family. Um, we try and demonstrate to the community, you know, that we, 
we're all one nowadays and we don't want to come across as preachers to tell you what to do and so our focus is is that we we're here we to talk about the issues and we want you to talk about the issues among your family and your friends so what are some of the things that our community out there can do what what's some of the discussions and some of the things that they can do to support their families and friends in this area I always have a simple message. Mm-hmm. Look out for him and and have a discussion and, and always have an honest discussion. So it's important to have a discussion to your children and to your, your senior family members. Yeah, and, yep. and, and often they can be, you know, varyingly difficult depending upon people's cycle of life. Mm. But the challenge is to start the conversation, whether it's around cyber security, keeping an eye on them. Um, some may even have a look at their older parent or their internet history just to get a little bit of a purview of you know are they going to the wrong spot erroneously so um it's all little bits and pieces that make up the holistic picture talk to your family members and be streetwise and the simple message is if it's too good to be true if it usually is it it is too it's not true Mm. what a beautiful analogy that's a great analogy in business and uh yeah i think it's something that uh, we definitely need to uh embrace in the cyber world i got a feeling mick we might have to have you back again i do say this to most of uh (laughs) our guests but look this is a very real problem i think that needs continual discussion i think it's something that evolves and it's continuing to evolve absolutely and yeah. and in that there's a whole lot of different subsets that you could talk for hours on you know yeah. whether it's online bullying child exploitation fraud or emerging opportunities that we see unfold before our eyes and often it happens yeah. you know in weeks very real problems mick thank you once again for coming in tonight talking to us about all this uh, yeah cybercrime stuff yeah not very nice there were a lot of vulnerable people out there Thanks again for joining us tonight. My great pleasure. Um, Gabby? And stay safe out there. You stay safe and, yeah, be careful on your computer. You've been listening to The Glow Show on Joy 94.9. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening to another Glow Show on Joy. Tonight's episode has just been loaded to the Joy website and our podcast feed on iTunes. So if you missed anything important, you can hear it again now. Please support the volunteers who make the Glow Show happen by subscribing to our podcast and sharing them with your friends on social media. The Glow Show is produced by Will Lansing and Gabrielle Tyak and edited weekly by me, Jason Gibbs. See you next time on Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.